0: what's best for us. going all the way back to our first hurts. Since you are our first love, God, would you begin to fix our first hurts all the way back to childhood, God. Every hurt we've encountered till now, sometimes we put props there, sometimes we put band-aids there, and we're asking God now that you would heal us. Heal us from every attack of the devil, Every every dart, God, that we were not able to block with the shield of faith, every dart that you see hanging in our bodies that we can't see and we're dripping, God, we're dripping with pain, we're dripping with sorrow, we're dripping with regret, we're dripping with shame, we're dripping with anguish and despair because we've been struck, God. We didn't even block it. We didn't even see to block it. But I'm asking in Jesus' name that As we're upon upon the operating table before you, and as this word goes forth, God, that you will begin removing those arrows, those fiery darts that hit us, God, and begin to allow your healing balm to cover us, to touch us, and heal us. So as those arrows leave us, God, there will be holes there no more. We will be whole where there was holes. The lies we accepted, the diseases we accepted, the conditions we accepted, all those things that we accepted because we were hurt, all those things that we accepted because of the fall, I pray healing would come upon us now as this word goes forth. It's our weakness that you want. Say this with me, church. It's my weakness that he wants. It's my hurt that he wants. It's my shame that he wants. And today, he gets it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. It's time to be healed. Listen, um, as this word is being preached this morning, I need you to know that at any point, spontaneously, that healings are going to begin to happen in your hearts, in your souls, and in your minds. So, don't, don't expect an altar call at the end, and that's when the healing happens. I'm trying to tell you that healing is going to begin happening. Can you keep playing for me, Kim? I'm sorry. Healing is going to continue to, to, to keep happening even as the word goes forth. Listen to me. You're going to hear things today that are going to awaken revelations in your soul and heart and mind, and when you hear them, just agree with them. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you hear them, just agree with them and allow God to begin to heal you right where your hurts are. You can be saved and still have hurts. You can have the Holy Spirit and still have hurts. You can still be going through some things even from years ago that have not fully healed. And I know for a fact that many of us are sitting in this room right now. And God wants to make an entrance into the holes. He wants to make an entrance into the hurts, but we must be willing to allow him to come in. And I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that spontaneously during this message that, that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is going to walk into hurts. And when He does, You just take that moment and you allow him to to, to touch you. If that means that you have to drop down to your knees, if that means you have to come to the altar, if that means you have to lift your hands, whatever he tells you to do, you just begin to receive that healing, amen? I need absolute attention this morning. I need there to be so few distractions of walking around and all that because I, I know this, that... When you're on an operating table, you don't want people coming in and out of the room and being loud and asking the doctor dumb questions. Like, leave the doctor alone like he's working on me right now. Amen. So the Holy Spirit has us on an operating table today. And there are some hurts that we've encountered and endured that we've closed off. Right? Because of shame, because of whatever it may have been, and God is about to bring healing into those areas. If you agree, just say amen this morning. Amen. amen. So we're continuing in the series for the rest of your life, and today's message is entitled, Broken Hearts and Open Doors. God uses our pain, weaknesses, and brokenness as an entrance for his amazing grace. He gives rest To our weary souls. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. All right. So, where did our brokenness happen? Sin was the beginning of our brokenness, and sin still continues to break us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says this. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. How good was it? Very good. good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So in the beginning, everything God saw was good, even us. So from the beginning, we were made uh, and everything was good and everything that God saw that He made was good. Then we go to Genesis 2:25 and it says this. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Church, can you say no shame? So in the beginning, there was no shame. Even though we were uncovered uh, as far as no clothes, we still wore his glory. We still wore his wholeness. We still wore his image. But then something happened that came to mar that and mess it up. Can you say this with me? Sin Sin. messes messes everything up. It's sin that brought brokenness. It's sin that brings shame. Amen. So in the beginning, we had peace with God, nothing was broken, and nothing was missing. We saw as God saw, everything was good. Church, can you say this with me? Lord, help me see as you see. You see, in the beginning... God saw everything and it was good. I thank God for eyes of faith this morning. I pray for each and every one of your spiritual eyes to awaken and say, where you see nothing bad anymore. No matter what the situation looks like, you say, I don't see anything but good. Because the enemy is always highlighting things that are broken and things that are messed up. But from the beginning, everything God saw was good. And we were even naked, but didn't even see anything wrong with that. So I pray in Jesus' name that as we move forward from this point, God, that you restore our eyes to their original seeing, that by faith we see everything as good still. A loving father always wants to know where you are and what you've done. So imagine as a teenager, right? And maybe you get into a car accident and or you do something wrong and you call your father and you give him that voice, that, that broken voice that sounds like he wants to cry. And the first thing dad's going to say is, number one, where are you? And number two, what did you do? Where are you and what did you do? Let's go on to Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit remaining in this place. Say this with me, church. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do a work on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you that your anointing to heal is in this place right now. In Jesus' name. Praise God. We're in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, and it says this. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, naked and not ashamed, heard—I'm sorry, this is after they sinned, so they they, they did have shame at this point— And his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. So this teaches us that when we sin, there's a part of us that likes to hide those things from God. Especially after we've become Christians and we sin, we definitely try to hide those things from God, but he sees all. And remember, a loving father always wants to know where you are and what you've done. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Many times people black backslide from God and then you don't see them around anymore. And they're hiding themselves from God because they feel naked and ashamed. But a good God, a loving father is going to come looking for them. Amen? And it says, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Remember, I told you a good father always wants to know where you are and what you've done. Verse 10, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Sin causes us to be in fear as well because it exposes our nakedness. It makes us feel ashamed. We feel like the glory of the Lord is not covering that spot or that area anymore. That, that gives us evidence that we are broken because death came and brought shame. Verse 11. Who told you that you were naked the Lord God asked Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat The man replied It was the woman you gave me who you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it Then the Lord God asked the woman what have you done Remember a good loving father wants to know where you are and what you have done She says this The serpent deceived me She replied, that's why I ate it. Let's go on now to Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Remember, a loving father always wants to know where you are and what you have done. The first two sins in the Bible that are recorded is Adam and Eve eating the fruit. Adam says to Eve, And Adam, where are you? And then he says to Eve, what have you done? The second sin we see recorded is Cain killing his brother Abel. And God comes looking for Abel. And then he speaks to Cain and says to Cain, what have you done? A loving father always wants to know where you are and what have you done. Let's go on to Psalms now. Praise God. Chapter 51. This is the sacrifice of repentance, all right? So this is what it should sound like when God has found us. You see, he found every single one of us in our sin. When he found you, you were not righteous. You were not holy. You had made mistakes. Can I please see the hands of anyone in the building that has ever sinned before? Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when he found us, we were in sin. So then, what does he want from us? My goodness. What does God want from those who have sinned? Let's look at this. Psalms 51, 14 through 17. Deliver me from the guilt of my bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. What is he the God of? our salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not despise. So what does God come looking for when we have sinned? He does not want us to give uh, our best offering. He does not want us to sing our best song. What he comes looking for when he says... Where are you, and what have you done? What he comes looking for is a broken spirit and a broken heart. I pray that every time we sin, that it breaks our own heart. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? please awaken to these words that every time we sin that it breaks our heart because in order for God to heal us we must be willing to repent and he will not turn it away. So when we sin we don't hide our heart from God. We say God here is my heart and it is broken. Why is it broken? God because I have sinned against you and I'm sorry. I'm not going to hide my heart from you. I'm going to give Give you my broken heart because this is the sacrifice you want. He doesn't want us when we sin to say, oh, I'm so sorry. God, you're so wonderful. He loves us. Oh, how he... No, he's not looking for that. He's looking for where is that broken heart? Is your heart broken over the sin that you've committed? Church, if you're actively, if we are actively living in sin and it, it does not break our heart, then repentance is far from us. If when you sin, it does not break your heart, repentance is far from us. The sacrifice that he wants is not you coming to church or not you singing songs. The the sign of a broken heart is is the sacrifice that he truly wants. And why does God want our brokenness? Because God uses broken hearts as open doors. This is good news. God uses broken lives as open doors. We think God wants us when we have it all together, but I'm here to tell you that God walks into broken spaces and makes them new again. So the number one thing we've got to stop doing is faking and acting like we've got it together. How many are ready to say, God, I'm broke. I'm not who I present to this world. God, sometimes I am crying when no one's looking. God, my heart is broken. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired of presenting. I am ready to be real with you, God. I am hurting. I've got some issues that I just can't fix, and I'm not going to cover them up with worship anymore. I'm not going to cover them up with anything except to say, God, here is my brokenness. Will you hear my cry? Oh, my goodness, church, your broken heart all by itself will make a sound to God. Your broken heart all by itself releases a sound. Because remember, when, when God asked Cain, where is your brother? He said, his blood cries out to me from the ground. His brokenness, his death is crying. I hear the sound of his brokenness. God uses our brokenness and, as an open door to walk in. How many by faith are believing this morning, today, that God is ready to enter into some broken areas of your life. Show me your hands. How many of you say today is the day where I allow God to enter into my brokenness? Please don't let the devil steal this message from you. Please pay attention. Please. Exodus chapter 3 verses 7 through 10 say this. This is God talking to Moses at the burning bush. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Church, can you say this with me? He has heard heard. and he is aware. Man, that's so good to know. He has heard our cries and he is aware of our suffering. Verse 8, so I have come down. Oh my goodness. If there was ever a time to rejoice or to clap or to worship, it's right now. What I'm trying to tell you is that your brokenness releases a sound to heaven and it's not too long after that that he is willing to step down and enter your situation if you are are willing to allow a sound to arise from you to say, God, I need your help. I'm crying out for your mercy. The devil wants to keep you depressed and quiet. He wants you to to remain silent so you don't cry out for the Lord so that he can continue to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But we serve a God that shows up in Moses' life and says, listen. I have heard the cries of distress, and I am aware of their suffering. Verse 8 says, so I have come down. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? God's not going to leave you in distress and despair. He is willing to come down. Okay, are you coming down just to look? Nope. Nope, he's not coming just to look at our brokenness because he was already aware of it when he was in heaven. He was already aware of our cries of distress. Verse eight says, so I have come down to do what? To rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Verse nine says, look, The cry of the people of Israel has reached me. So listen, church, we have to understand that our oppression and our distress are doorways for God's deliverance. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that our phoniness would fall off of us. That, Lord, the places that we are truly broken, the places that we are truly depressed, the places that we are truly sad, and that we've put religion over it, religious talk over it, religious actions over it, God. We've made, we've sown fig leaves together, and we've tried to cover our shame, especially in front of others, God. I pray now for nakedness to come upon us, to say, God... I don't hide it anymore. I am broken and I need your help now more than ever. I'm not going to try to fix it myself. I'm going to cry out to God. May every heart begin to release a sound in this place to heaven so, God, that you can step down into the midst of us right now and begin to deliver us in Jesus' name. I say depression. Depression in our hearts right now make a sound in the name of Jesus Christ. Shame. Shame begin to make a sound in our hearts now in Jesus' name. Fear begin to make a sound in our hearts right now in Jesus name because when they make a sound surely our God will hear our cries of distress and he will come down and rescue us remember this church he resists the proud so the proud say things like this I'm okay I'm fine really no really I'm okay I'm fine He resists the proud, but to the humble, he brings them close to himself. To the hurting, who will admit it, he brings them close to himself. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 now. Pastor Jim just said this a couple minutes ago. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Verse 38, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, what needs to happen here, church, is this. We need to be convinced that God can get his grace to us no matter the situation. We need to be convinced of this. Because in our brokenness, the enemy makes us feel like it's impossible for us to receive any help in these situations. I'm talking about there's some deep hurt in this room. There are some of you that have went through some shameful things that you would never stand up here and say that this happened to me. I'm talking about those hurts. We've got to expose those hurts. Because if we don't expose them, they remain as things that can separate us from the love of God when we just learned here that we must be convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not one thing. So here's what has happened, church. Church some of us that have been through some incredibly hurtful things, to some of us that have, uh, have a repetitive cycle of sin, we try to fix things the wrong way sometimes. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. Father, I pray right now against demonic, a demonic assignment to distract me, God. I pray right now against a demonic assignment, God, to water down this word and cause your people to miss it. Satan, the Lord rebuke you everywhere you are operating in this room right now. Father, I ask for angelic help now in Jesus' name to go around the room and to begin to thwart every distraction. I speak peace, be still in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is a wrong way to mend the heart. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13 say this. Has any nation ever traded its God for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For the people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. What does this mean? That many of us in our brokenness that we have reached for things to fix us that can hold no life. Sometimes we reach for family members. Sometimes we reach for romantic relationships. Some people reach for drugs and alcohol. Some people reach for Amazon and Walmart. Some people reach for all of these things that are just temporary fixes, and we reach for them before God. Listen to me. Anything we reach for before God is an idol. We gotta fix something today. Who wants to be fixed? We gotta fix something today. Anything we reach for other than God is an idol. He says, my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. So, Father, my prayer right now in Jesus' name is a prayer of repentance for all who will hear this message to say, God, we will no longer abandon the water which you give us for those things that can have bring us no life. And the second thing that we must do is we must abandon those cisterns or those those holes, those small wells in our lives that were supposed to hold water, but they hold nothing at all. So, church, I want you to think of this for a moment. What is it that you reach for when you're broken? Think about it. When you're depressed or sad, what's some of the things you reach for? Can I tell on this? Can I tell on you? Chocolate, ice cream, our phones, right? We're reaching for all these things that hold no water. We're digging for ourselves a space that God won't occupy, right? It's how we spend our time. It's what we reach for. We've got to stop doing that. And then we've got to listen to the ones that he's calling. You see, I wish the refrigerator wouldn't call so loudly. I wish that Amazon wouldn't call so loudly. Because sometimes, here's what I'm learning many of us, we're not really bored, it's just that our spirit is hungry. And we, we trade spiritual hunger for physical boredness. And instead of reaching for our Bible, we reach for our phone because we say, I am so bored. No, your spirit man is never bored. Your spirit man is hungry. Your carnal man gets bored because it wants the things of this world, the lust of this world. But your spirit man is never bored. It beholds God himself and wants more of him. So we must be careful what we do when we say we are bored. Because the true identity in us has been remade in the image of Jesus Christ and is never bored. He's just hungry and wants more of God. So let's listen now to who he's calling. We're in Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30, and it says this: "At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer, "O oh Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things who think themselves w- from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike church. Can you say the childlike?" Here's who he's calling this morning, the childlike. Some of us can feel very childlike in, in the fact that, you know what, I feel, so, I feel as helpless as a child. I feel as weak in this situation as a child. I, have no, I cannot depend on anything from me. I was talking to some of the teenagers yesterday during our time of, of, of fun with them last night and asked them what could they cook if they were hungry. And they said, well, I can cook eggs. And another one said that they could make ramen noodles, all right? And I'm like, man, like at some point, that's just not going to be enough, Right, you're gonna have you're gonna crave more, you're gonna want to to, to desire more, right? So in our childlikeness, there's a dependency. Uh, we have a need for something that is greater than what we can provide for ourselves. So, Father, I pray for the childlike in this room. Those who are going through things and they recognize that they can't provide it for themselves, they need a heavenly Father. Verse 26, yes, Father, it pleased you to do this this way. Verse 27, my Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and to those who the Son chooses to reveal himself, Then Jesus said, come to me. So listen listen now see if this is you this is who he's calling all of you who are weary and heavy carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. He says, I will come down. I have heard your cry. I have seen your tiredness. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Colossians 2.13. Listen to who else he's calling. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. So any of you right now who still have active sin in your life, he's calling you today as well. See, I'm naming the broken hearts that he's fixing right now. So those of you with addictions to pornography, those of you that still struggle with anger and jealousy, he's calling you now. Please pay attention. Open up your, he- your ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying right now. He's calling you right now. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 36 say this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So he's calling those in this room right now that have been diagnosed with any kind of disease or illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were confused and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. So, Father, I pray for those in this room who are going through some things in which they have become confused and helpless about. Um, I I hear specifically right now those that are looking for a place to live, whether that be, uh, uh, and really a house. There are some of you that are looking for a house and you feel confused and helpless right now. He's talking to you. First Corinthians, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Listen to else he's calling in this room right now. Remember, dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. So listen by faith. He's calling those of you who don't feel very wise when it comes to this world or you don't feel very powerful or wealthy. So if you're not powerful or wealthy or wise right now, he's calling you right now. Open up your ears, ears to hear the Lord's deliverance. When God called you, instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things, he chose the things who are, that are foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and the powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world Things counted as nothing at all. Lord, I thank you that you're doing this right now. You're calling those out of depression who feel like they're nothing at all. Please be honest in this moment. Be real in this moment. God wants to heal people in this room right now who are depressed, who the enemy told you that you are nothing at all because you are single, maybe. Maybe because you don't have the job you desire. Maybe because you've went through some things and you're Circumstances have spoken to you that you're nothing at all. He chooses you, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one ever, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So, church, did you hear your heart's conditioned name this morning? God wants to restore you. And, and listen, church. I know if the enemy is working against me right now, I feel opposition. Then I know he's working against some of you. So if you're struggling to pay attention right now, I guarantee you that the enemy wants you to miss what God is releasing in this moment. Can you you raise your hand? Just just be real in this moment. Don't, Don't raise it yet. If you're struggling to pay attention right now, just be honest. Just raise your hand. Don't lie. If you're struggling to pay attention right now, raise your hand. There's other hands that should be up right now. You're not hurting my feelings. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come against Satan's desire to steal this word. We resist you, Satan. We submit ourselves to God in this moment. We submit ourselves to this teaching. And Satan, we resist you in Jesus' name. You will not steal this word from these people. We will come out of our brokenness today. So, Father, begin to shake the ground under our feet. And let us know that you are moving in this place. And it is your desire to displace the enemy. Satan, the power of God, come against you right now and shake the doors of your kingdom. We declare in Jesus' name that these people will not be robbed of their deliverance. Open up our ears and our hearts so that the king of glory may walk in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Now, God, give us focus. We cancel the assignment of the enemy to bring confusion. We silence every other voice in this room except the voice of God. Bring the enemy's voice to a standstill. Give our minds focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are being super distractive in here right now, and it's causing others to look at you, please focus. Please focus. All right. Did you hear, I've got to say this again, because I have it in my notes, and God knew that distraction would come. Did you hear your heart's condition name, God wants to restore you? So, church say, number one, the childlike. This is those among us right now who feel so helpless in our situation that we feel like a little child. Like, no one can help, this, help me out of this except a big God. I feel so childlike and helpless in this situation. Church, can you say number two? Number two. The second one he's calling for right now is this. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, okay, you're tired of what you've been going through. He's talking to you right now. Church, can you say number three? The third ones he's calling right now are those who are dead because of your sins. So either you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've backslidden, or you have have current sin in your life that you're not repented of, or it's a cycle. You're in a cycle of sin. He's calling you out of it right now. Church, can you say number four? He's calling the confused and the helpless. You're in a situation to which you don't know how to respond and you don't know what to do. You've exhausted all of your options on how to fix this thing or how to move forward. He's talking to the confused and helpless. Finally, church, can you say number five? He's calling those who are not wise in this world's eyes, not powerful, not wealthy. You've been rejected and despised of this world, and God chose you so he could bring them to shame. That's who he's calling this morning. And there's no way in the world that any of us are not any of those five things right now, or I wouldn't be preaching this message. Do we understand that? We've got to be in either one of those five categories or I would not be standing here giving you the message the Holy Spirit is releasing right now. He wants to restore you. So what must we do? Isaiah 29, 13 says this. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. So what we must do in this moment, church, Kimberly, can you come back, please? What we must do in this moment, church, is bring our broken hearts to him. Not physically. I'm not talking about an altar call right now. I'm talking about you recognizing that you fit in one of those five categories and say, God, I've got some brokenness. Here's another brokenness that you're not fully, you're childlike in your purpose, you feel like, you know what, I should be further along in my purpose right now, but I still feel childlike. I feel like I, I, I haven't arrived, like I'm not growing. God's calling you in this moment as well. And what he's calling, what he's asking us to do is call out from that brokenness. Call out from those spaces in our lives that are incomplete, that are hurting, that are weary, that are broken down, that are confused and helpless. Because God wants to do something in this place this morning, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. I got to tell you this, church, the pride in this room is super thick right now. Would you all begin to pray and say, Lord take my pride from me because pride does this it plugs your ears and says he's not talking about me I'm none of those things father remove pride from your people and lord if the enemy has his dirty fingers and any ears in this place right now remove them now so they can hear, God wants to heal you today. God favors you. He has come down. He has heard your cry. He has seen your distress. He's ready to heal. He's ready to move. But he says, we just honor him with his, our lips and our hearts are far from him. So we have to bring our hearts closer we must realize this: that we're not dead. Say this with me, church: I'm not dead, I'm not dead. Just, asleep. just asleep. See, there's some areas in our lives that they're not dead, just asleep. Luke chapters eight, verse forty-nine. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told to him, "Your daughter is dead." There's no use troubling the teacher now. So this was a messenger. Can you say a messenger? This wasn't Jesus saying your daughter is dead, don't trouble me. This was a messenger. And even Paul had a messenger from Satan to buffet him and keep him down. So we declare now in the name of Jesus Christ that every messenger that's coming against us, bringing us messages that are not from God, telling us that we are dead and we are hopeless and we are no good and we are worthless, we silence the voice of the devil's messengers now messengers of depression, messengers of, of despair. We silence your voices now in Jesus' name. Verse 50, but when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jarius, see, Jarius got a message from a messenger, but now he's getting a message from Jesus, say, Lord, open my ears to your messages. When Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. Here's the message from the Holy Spirit for each of you today who are humble enough to say, I need help. Here's the message from Jesus for you today. Don't be afraid. Just have faith and you will be healed. Raise your hands if you receive that message. Here's what Jesus is saying to you who are willing to say, Lord, I'm tired and I'm broke. Don't be afraid. Just have faith and you will be healed. Verse 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter John and James and the little girl's father and mother. Church, it's time to start looking around the room. It's time to start looking around our lives. And when we want healing and we're not getting it, you need to look at your circle. Who is standing around me in unbelief? Who keeps repeating the message of the messenger so that my faith will not rise up in this moment? It's time to start dismissing people if you're not being killed. It's time to say, you know what? You've got to go. You need to excuse yourself for a moment. Jesus says the only ones coming to where this girl is sleeping is my inner circle and her parents. Why my inner circle? Because they have my heart and mind. They know me. They move with me. Why her parents? Because nobody wants to believe it more than the parents who lost their daughter. You gotta be careful who you let get close to your hurt, because some people will keep you in hurt just to manipulate you. You gotta be careful who's around you when you're hurting, and they're not releasing messages of joy and peace to you. Some some people want to keep you down so they can keep using you and walking all over you. Be careful who's around you when you're down because they might be holding you down and keeping you down. It's time to start dismissing some people. Praise God. Verse 52, the house, we got to start, we got to start over again. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the little girl's father and mother. Verse 52, the house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead, she's only asleep. Church, says with me, I'm not dead. Only asleep, woo! My joy's not dead, only asleep. My favor's not dead, only asleep. My healing's not dead, only asleep. Remember when I told you, you gotta watch who's around you? Verse 53 says, but the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Verse 54, then Jesus took her by the hand And said in a loud voice, my child, get up. Woo, my child, get up. I want you to imagine that right now. Every single one of you who are a child of God, that he's reaching out to grab you by the hand. And he's saying, my child, get up. You've been depressed long enough. You've been broken long enough. It's time for you to get up, amen? Just stand up with me now. Those who believe in faith, that it's time to get up. Woo, stop the weeping, Jesus said. Stop the weeping. Their hearts were broken because they thought she was dead. And he entered the room and said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead, woo, she's only asleep. I wish somebody would prophesy over their finances and prophesy over your children and prophesy over all those things that look dead in your life and say, you know what? It's not dead, only asleep. And just waiting for the Lord to come by and wake it up. So we declare in the name of Jesus Christ that there's some things in our lives that look dead, but they're not dead, they're only asleep. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that your confidence is not dead. It's just only asleep, just taking a nap. Your faith is not dead, just only asleep. They laughed at him. Jesus said, my child, get up. And at that moment, church, you say at that moment? And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Remember what I told you guys? I said, some of you, you, no. We, we think we're bored, but it's just our, our spirit wants to behold God. Our spirit wants nutrition. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, when you reach for social media and television and all these things, when you're bored, once you put it down, you're still hungry. So not only did Jesus awaken what we that they thought was dead, but only asleep. Please pay attention. Don't, don't let me lose you. I finally got you. After the miracle, he said, feed her now. Listen to me. That which appeared to be dead was only asleep, but once it awakens, it needs to be fed. So if your joy looked dead and was only asleep, now you got to feed your joy. But well, what do I feed my joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of your faith, it looked dead, but it was only asleep. And now that it's awakened, it needs to eat. So what does faith need to eat? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, woo, by the word of the Lord. Once you awaken from your slumber, you need to eat. The problem with the church today is that you have traded God for idols. Instead of eating of his word and beholding his presence, There's so many things you'd rather do than be with him. Sometimes I wish I could take Sunday morning away, because Sunday morning isn't a sacrifice for many of you anymore. It's just that thing that you're used to doing. I wish sometimes we could just close on Sundays and make it a random day and see if you're still hungry because this is a religious motion for most of us. It's Sunday morning, it's time to come to church. Now I'll come because this is the time that everybody else comes. Man, are you not hungry than more than just on Sunday morning? (sighs) That which awakens, please, please listen to me. That which awakens must also be fed. That which awakens must also be fed because it only, oh my gosh, it was only asleep, it was not dead. That which is awakened must soon be fed because it was only asleep, it was not dead. Feed it. Thank you, Jesus. Closing verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He says this, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. See, young people, listen to this. It's just not the old people that need church. It's just not the old people that need to study his word. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. What are we waiting for? Waiting on a word. I can't get enough word. I can't get enough word. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Jesus. All right, it's time to come alive by a show of hands. At the beginning of the message, I said that during this message, there will be healing happening spontaneously. Can you raise your hand if you heard anything or the Lord moved on you at all during the service and there was some healing that came to you today? For those of you who did not happen to, the enemy was against you, but he will not prevail. And while it is still called today, you can have your miracle as well because he's still here. Let's bow our heads and pray one final time. And we trust in this moment that what looked to be dead was only asleep and needed to hear his voice. Father, You saw the affliction of your children, and you heard their cry, and you said, I have come down. Jairus' daughter naturally died in the eyes of the people. You said that you would go pray for her uh, because she was sick, and you were slowed down by the woman with the issue of blood, and you said, who touched me? Who touched me? I felt virtue leave me. Who touched me? Church, right now you can touch him. His hand is reaching out just as it reached out to to grab Jairus' daughter's hand and said, rise up, child. Come on, who wants to rise up? Reach out and touch him. Lift your hands. By faith, those of you that still require a miracle before we leave, reach up and touch him. He's already said, I have come down. He's already said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Receive it, receive it and begin to worship the Lord when you get it. When you get it, just clap. When you feel him touch you, just begin to worship. When you feel that pain leave your body, just begin to worship. When you feel that depression leaving, just begin to worship. When you feel that God's favor is back upon you, just begin to worship. When you feel the Holy Spirit resting upon you, just begin to worship. When you feel the enemy losing his grip on your life, just begin to worship. When you feel faith arising, And as you stretch out to touch the hand of the master and you feel him grab your circumstances, just begin to worship. As you cast your cares this morning on the Lord and you see him take them all because he cares for you, just begin to worship. Release the pain and worship. Release the hurt and worship. He does not resist the brokenhearted. He wants to heal you this morning. But don't let pride get in the way. Don't let people who are watching get in your way. Come on, it's time to be healed today. Hey, hey, listen. He only let Peter, James, and John and the parents come in. Listen to me. It's time for you, some of you. It's time to start. You need to start dismissing depression. You want your healing? It hasn't come? Tell depression to leave and watch Jesus walk in. Tell your shame to leave. Come on. Do this, do this spiritually. Begin to think of those things that are in the way of your healing and begin to dismiss them one up by one. Well, the doctor said this. Well, you know what? It's time to remove the messages from the messenger that weren't the Lord. Let them go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, please don't ever come to church for anything except Jesus. Don't come to church just to be on the worship team. Don't come to church just to be a door greeter. Don't come to church just to be a Sunday school teacher. Don't come to church just to preach the message. Don't come to church just to be on the media team. Don't come to church just to be seen with what you're wearing today. The only reason you ever step foot in this place is for Jesus to magnify him and to glorify him and to serve him and to love him and to be touched by him. If it's not for Jesus, then it's just for you. If it's not for Jesus, then it's just for you. Come to serve. Come to love. Come to behold him. Come to be made whole. Come to receive his healing. Come to receive his blessing. Pastor Jim, if you could come close the service down for me and allow Dawn to do announcements whenever you are finished. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I thank you that when you do a thing, it's perfect. I thank you that when you touch somebody, it's complete, God. So, God, we just thank you right now, all over this place this morning for what you're doing. God, we thank you for what you've done. Church, I just want to encourage you. That as this word has come and you've heard it and you've accepted it, you've been touched by it, remind yourself of the word this week.